This week on the Magnificently Huge podcast, Michael Mann's Eat. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. So in 1996, Michael Mann makes the film Heat, and it was an amazing experience for me because I'd already been seeing a lot of gun operas. The mid-90s were a lot of gun-shooty movies. Uh, this was sort of the Aida of gun operas. Um, I always sort of refer to that. That's sort of an old joke. If I say it again in the podcast, I'm sorry. But it was uh, an amazing, huge, epic crime movie uh, with amazing performances by Robert De Niro and a very unhinged Al Pacino. Uh, And I don't know. I think this might have been the last time anybody cared about Val Kilmer either. Anyway, it was an amazing, on every level, experience uh we're gonna talk about it this week and hope you like it bam okay welcome hi it's the magnificently huge podcast (laughs) so much energy i'm spent energy i'm spent So, welcome to episode uh, to be inserted. Whatever later. it is, one hundred eight. I think we're at hundred and something. Yeah. One hundred eight. I think we're at. Don't know. Our brilliance uh, continues unabated. Yeah, unabated. That's a five dollar word of sorts. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is Chris, one of your hosts over this there. This is Eric. This is the other and one. Then, uh, and then, uh, and this is Brian. I am also one of your hosts. Yeah. There's. It's a three headed host thing. Uh, we're like King Ghidorah. <laughs> Basically, we're the King Ghidorah of podcasts. Just so you Thank know, you. we're doing this on purpose to weed out the week. Because a yeah. lot of you are going to go, oh, what the fuck am I listening to? And turn it off. If you <laughs> haven't done that by now, you're one of us. Now, yeah. on with the energy! You'll be rewarded <laughs> in kind. Yes. Uh, awesome. So, Who's hosting uh, this week, by the way? This is Eric's show. I think it's yep. me. Yes, yeah, moi. Yeah. Yeah, uh, with, which, which means that I now uh, uh, have to ask what you guys have been doing this week, and if you have any fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit, that is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. Christy Poo, what do you got? Uh, okay, I'll go first, sure. Uh, so I did find this week, maybe you guys will care, maybe you won't, but the band Red Cross has a new album out. And it's pretty darn tootin' good. I'm Red just gonna cross. put that is out that, there. Is Red that why cross. you sent me that YouTube link, Chris? Yeah, because okay. they've got a they've got a couple of uh, covers, which is always fun for an established band because they get to play around a little bit. Uh, the one I sent Brian was their cover of "When Do I Get to Sing My Way" by Sparks, <laughs> and instead of the early 90s Euro disco sound, they just do the full-on Red Cross pseudo-70s glam rock sound. Uh, 
just gonna say that. They killed it. It was really good. But the, that was the one that got me in the door. Because uh, they had been posting in and around that. But then I went and listened to the album, and their leadoff track was a cover of the theme song to the 1968 movie with Peter Sellers called The Party, which, as you know, is one of my all-time favorite movies. A classic. But, but they do a cover of that theme song by Henry Mancini, and it fucking kills. literally in geek nirvana heaven uh when i listen to it i'm like these these guys get me man. these guys get me uh and then the rest of the album is really cool they got some guests and stuff on there and it's uh if if you know red cross you know they're oove and they don't really stray too far from that but it's stupid fun and it's nice to see bands that have been kicking around for 25 30 years still pull something out that's yeah, worthwhile they're, they're like the flaming lips they've just been around forever and they're always doing their own wacky yeah yeah. yeah. See, uh, I I'm not gonna lie, Chris. I'm I'm like putting groceries in my trunk when you sent that link, and I I misread it at first, and I thought it was crisscross, and I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Mac Dad'll make you jump, jump, like, jump. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a totally different flavor, man. Totally different flavor. I think so. That, no, that's a cross. great idea for uh, uh like a, a movie by one of those Wayans brothers is to do like. The, the crisscross kids trying to make a comeback at like 40. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it can still happen. It can still happen. With the backwards pants and the yeah. backwards shirts. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Jump. Uh-huh. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, yeah. So, I've been listening to Red Cross this week. I recommend it. Uh, it's called Beyond the Door. That's the name of the album. And uh, it's fun. And then just the sidebar... I just randomly just got a, a bug up my ass and rewatched Joe versus the volcano all the way through. And, uh, I still oh. figured that that's a very underrated movie yeah. that, uh, people need to go watch. Cause it's, that's, uh, it's, that, it's, that's, that's one of the movies I use to judge people. It's like, if you <laughs> haven't seen it, you're just common. If you have seen yeah. it and you didn't like it, we can't be friends. And if you yeah. have seen it and you loved it, you're, you're on my team. Yeah, I like it because it my, just... my wife bought luggage this week, and I made it Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you traveling light or heavy? Heavy, flying, flying, and by ship. A real journey, very exciting. As a, As a luggage, luggage problem. problem, yeah, yes, but yeah, but from the get go, it's just it's. I I realize watching it why I think I like it so much is because it's so sadly cheerful it's just this weird <laughs> melancholy that runs through the whole thing and it never stops even yeah, when it's like, trying to be like happy rom-com and yeah. he's gonna enjoy it no matter what kind yeah. of yeah so basically yeah it's for those who aren't initiated it's the first foray with tom hanks and meg ryan on screen yeah three uh, times yeah so that was the first of their their three meetings on screen no but they uh, have three meetings in this movie because yeah, she, she and plays Meg, three parts and they're all well the first two are super wacky and the third is yeah. just her the third is just meg ryan yeah but the uh the first one is sort of a mousy secretary type and then the second one is this weird 
He doesn't tell me girl. anything. Yeah. I'm a flibbity gibbet. I'm a flibberty gibbet, yeah. But my favorite, one of my first things, I have when no he's, response to that. Yeah, when he's telling her about the brain cloud that he's been diagnosed with, and, and what he has to do, go jump in a volcano to appease the gods for her dad to get the mineral rights on this weird South Pacific island, and that's her thing. He's like, I have no response to that. <laughs> She's like, this is you, so left of center. I, he told me I had a brain cloud. You didn't get a second yeah. opinion on that. You didn't get a second opinion on something called brain cloud. I yeah. love that movie, <laughs> but I love. I love how it starts because it's just he's drudging up to the office and it's just that soul-sucking job and it's just miserable and horrible. And the <laughs> first thing you hear is Dan Hedaya as his boss in the background. I know just, he can do yeah. the job, but like, can, can he, he do, do the, the job? job? I'm not asking I'm that not of you. I'm not arguing that with you. <laughs> I'm not asking just, that of you. Yeah. And it just goes on for like two minutes straight and that's the only dialogue in that entire scene. And it's <laughs> just fucking amazing. So yeah, yeah it, I think it gets uh, looked over quite extensively because it didn't make a big splash. I think it's very divisive because people kind of want it to be something that it's not. Yeah. Because yeah. it got marketed as sort of a weird, wacky rom-com when really it's just a like a weird existential comic version of The Razor's Edge or something. It's, it's mean, an it's early just, idiocracy because it, yeah. it says what you're doing with your wife is subpar. Cut it out. Yeah. And people didn't want yeah. to hear that, especially in the 80s. Yeah. But uh, I, for my my money, when you get to the island and you find out that Abe Vigoda is the chief, <laughs> then, you know, that right there is, solidifies it as a classic. Jump into I, the big woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that I've put this anecdote on the podcast, so I just have to say that when this movie came out in theaters, I was working at the movie theater, and there was a guy who I think was like a youth minister or something, and he came to see Joe versus the Volcano Every single day with a different girl who I think (laughs) was from his flock. And it was kind of upsetting. Like, dude, this is this is creepy. Yeah. And that is so not a date movie either. That's what's funny. (laughs) That is so not a date movie. That's amazing. Uh, It's not. That explains it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, but if you if you're ever unsure whether or not Meg Ryan can actually act, this is the movie that will prove that she can. Yeah, because uh, because when they went to do Sleepless in Seattle, which is just their remake of Love Affair, uh, she's just Meg Ryan in that flat. Uh, when they did uh, Sleepless in Seattle, well, that's the one they just did. And then when they did uh, what was the other one? Uh, You've got Mary Sally. Oh, you've got mail is just you've got atrocious. mail, yeah. Which is their like weird remake of Shop Around the Corner with Jimmy Stewart, and she's just Meg Ryan in that. I mean, pretty yeah. much in most things, she's Meg Ryan, but in Joe vs. the Volcano, she is uh, only one third Meg Ryan, and it works. <laughs> so yeah, the only uh, other acting turn of hers that I where I think she actually does work, I strangely is Top Gun. She's the only person true. in that movie who's yeah. doing something. I, I I give you that. I give you that. Yeah. So, bravo, Meg Ryan. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I got. I didn't do much this week. So, yeah, I just uh, rocked out and watched an obscure early 90s movie. Hey, Yay. maybe in the Criss Cross movie, uh, they can live across the hall from <laughs> Meg Ryan. And she's also going, it can happen. I can make it happen again. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, they're fourth out. America's they're fourth sweetheart. Outing. What yeah. if I wore my clothes backwards? <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool, cool. That's, yeah, that's all my deal. What? Uh, let's see. What is it, what'd you do, Eric, besides move this week? 
Oh gosh, that move was uh, abominable. Moving um, is the worst. Yeah. But I did manage to find something new to occupy my time, a, a, a mobile game. Again, I'm getting into the mobile games. Uh, Star Trek Timelines. It's, I don't it's, know of this. It's horribly geeky and wonderful. It's, it's basically <laughs> like a card-based game. You know, you like collect uh, characters from the, the shows and movies, and they have stats, and you send them on missions, and you... You, you, you roll dice and see if, like, you win battles and junk. It's, like, so, so geeky. I mean, it is so Basically, it's tricky. a gotcha where you're collecting all the all the characters from all the series. Right, and you compete okay. against other people who are on the server who have their own teams and squads, and it's... It, the, what's so great about it is there's so many different small things to do with them. They've, they've got, like, a bunch of different games, and they're all kind of fun. And you can kind of play them at the same time. You go send them off on an away mission, and that'll take two hours. So you please, please tell come me back that, later. Like a level one character has a red shirt, and when you level them up, their shirt color changes. <laughs> you get a random collection of people. You like actually start with you know pick your captain. Do you want Archer, yeah. uh, Kirk, or Picard? And then you get like a random ten people, and you level them up. Uh, but there's no red shirts. There's no unrecognizable absolutely every playable well, character no, just, is somebody interesting from the be, universe yeah, it should be Brian an indication wants, of character's level like a yeah, low Brian level character wants, should have a red shirt is all yeah, i'm he saying he just wants uh, space fodder but see that always <laughs> irritates me because that, that like denotes their specialty right like their engineering science or command or whatever yeah right and yeah. so everybody bitches about the red shirts being nobodies but everybody forgets that scotty was a red shirt yeah, yeah. so don't send the geeks down on the away mission because they'll get their asses <laughs> killed yeah so i don't know i don't get it but whatever yeah. <laughs> it's a dangerous job that's all that's all there is to that i guess well you but, know uh, they're trekking anyway, they're yeah, star trekking there's there's a one that's really fun where you put together a crew and you send them off on a voyage and you do nothing you just let it happen and uh, you can recall them before the whole ship gets destroyed, but they just stuff happens. You basically the captain's log lists off everything that's happening, and you can just like leave it for hours. And I, I it's it's so fun because there's not much to. It's not like an actiony game. It's not button mashing and chopping. You just, you just, just set your little plans into motion and let them play out. Right, and you try and so, level up all your guys so that when you do the turn-based battles, you have a chance of not getting destroyed. So how is this like different from, say, Oregon Trail? Is it similar? Because it sounds like one of those text-based type of deals. I would say it's similar. It is similar okay. to that, but throw in a little <laughs> uh, Pokemon, because it's okay. like, you know, card turn-based. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like collecting stuff. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah, okay. but it's it is wicked fun. Don't get me wrong, uh, especially yeah. for something that's free. <laughs> yeah, it sounds oh, like no, the Star you're... Trek version of Galaxy of Heroes, which is the Star Wars game like that. Yeah, your oh. entire crew has died of Romulan dysentery. <laughs> Please try again. <laughs> I, I also like in Star Trek how they have like everything is the same as it is now. They just put something space like in front of it. You know. We're getting yeah. drunk on ale. What's ale? Oh shit! Sorry, we're getting drunk on Romulan ale. We got well, we got Klingon uh, 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 STDs. We've gotten yeah. uh, space sickness. <laughs> yeah, space herpes. Well, we've yeah, we've discussed this before. It's whenever they throw out 
like historical precedents to look like they've got some handle on the situation. It's always like nineteenth, twentieth century, whatever Western history, and then some rando made up space history. Yeah, that no one else yeah. is going to know. It just irritates me when they got to make a note to find that clip that is perfect uh, for that comment because yep. <laughs> I know right yeah. where it is. The Bible, the Code of Hammurabi, and of Justinian, Magna Carta, the Constitution of the United States. Fundamental declarations of the Martian colonies, the statutes of Alpha Three. Gentlemen, these documents all speak of rights. But as a result of this game, I have to admit I've I've plunked down ten bucks for uh, the subscription to the CBS Online app so oh, that I can watch go. all Star Trek from ever. I mean, they've they've got all the Star Trek, including the new shows. And maybe I'll have it long enough to see the first episode of Picard. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't the uh, the guy that played the Ferengi on Deep Space Nine just passed away? I saw no, that, that was uh, Nog. Nog. Okay. Yeah. He had like kidney issues from forever. It's why he was so small. Which, which, which show was that? Was that, that, that was Deep Space, Space Nine? Nine. He's, just, okay. he's, not, he's not Quark, the one you're probably thinking of. It's yeah, it's no, I knew it wasn't that. I knew it wasn't that, but yeah, it was. Okay. It was. It was Quark's nephew. Yeah, but they were saying like the it, the guy's wife said they had just gotten married like maybe a month or two before because I think he knew he was dying, and that they had been saving up to get married. I'm like, dude, you're hmm. saving up to get. You've been on the balls of your heels since this show went off the air. I bet. Y- yeah, sounds like a red shirt move. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Well, not to be a Debbie Downer. That, I'm sorry. That joke was funnier in the original Klingon, I think. But anyway. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was that was a, a, a Romulan pun. Yeah. Well, yeah. on that on that note, it reminds me because this is on my Twitter feed. If you haven't already, you need to go look up the the Twitter feed for something called Riker Googles, and they just basically do random like if Riker were doing Google searches on the <laughs> Enterprise. <laughs> Uh, and it's just like stupid stuff. Like, do Vulcans have extra testicles? I mean, it's just <laughs> random shit, you know. Uh, but I recommend it if you like Star Trek because it's so ridiculous. Oh, I love the internet. So, some days, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a good way to pass the time. Brian, tell us, all tell right. us all of the nine hundred things you've done in the last. Yeah. Year. <laughs> do you want the book, the TV show, the musical, uh, got, the movie? Two movies yeah. and an observation here. My observation is I okay. go to the Circle K to get a thirst buster, and strange things are afoot at the Circle K. There, they are. There's a new product that's being pimped. You know how like nowadays they've got like all the little flavors you can add to your sodas or whatever. But this is just a fountain that has a specifically weird flavored. This is ginger lime diet coke, and all I can think is when your diet coke doesn't taste enough like urine. Try ginger lime diet coke. Oh no, I've seen. I've seen. This is like all the tiny little cans that they're yeah. in now. These what? smaller That's, than average. This is a fountain. Like they've actually got a label yeah. on the fountain for ginger yeah. lime diet. Who the fuck is drinking this? Just piss they, in they the marketed, can in the cup. It's free. Dude, they've marketed right, they, those flavors of diet coke to millennials. They're like a big millennial thing. Like they're trying to. They're trying to get them to stop drinking. Um, um, anything. Aquah. Like LaCroix. if you touch yeah. this, it's just but, gonna LaCroix. suck. But just uh, you know, <sighs> dump it in with some rum, and you'll be good. It's like back in the day when we used to drink uh, what, like Bartles and James. What was the one that tasted like armpit sweat? 
that everybody was into. Zima? Zima? Zima, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like that. still around, it just has a new name. <laughs> that we both yeah. hit that, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> but it sounds split. to me like oh, you're Zima. in a... yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it sounds to me like you're in a test market or something. So, uh, you know, you've Yuck. got control. You can you can tell them to fuck right off if you want to. <laughs> so we're in the we're in the doldrums of of the fall movie season. Wanted to go for popcorn last Sunday. Got to see um, went and saw a documentary about Linda Ronstadt called "The Sound what? of My Voice." Yeah, just a Linda. It's like a Talking Heads documentary. There's no reason to to see this in a theater other than we were desperate for something to go to movies for so we went and saw Linda Ronstadt The Sound of My Voice do they show what she looks like now? yeah actually what's kind of sad is um, she has Parkinson's yeah and she can't sing anymore and they actually had her singing with like her her cousin and her nephew and, and yeah she can't really sing anymore um, so it was it was kind of a bittersweet ending there where it's like, well, this is what's left of Linda Ronstadt, but check out her awesome, you know, legacy. Well, I got to be honest with you, while you're talking, I had to Google to find out what she actually sang, because I don't remember. Yeah, so I've been cheated, been, you know, When Will I Be Loved, that was a big one. Yeah. Okay, and you're I no that good. Was yeah, I always thought When Will I Be Loved was Juice Newton. That's how much I know about yeah. this. Yeah, I think the most the most interesting trivia from this that I'm sure hippies knew that I didn't know is Linda Ronstadt's responsible for the Eagles existing. Um, yeah. Glenn Fry oh. and uh, Don Henley met as as her backing band and were on tour and started sharing a hotel room. Like, hey, this guy's pretty good, and so now that's how the Eagles formed. Did they, I, did I they almost go thought you. Oh, I was just going to ask: Did they go into uh, her dating Jerry Brown? Oh yeah, yeah. No, they definitely go. Into I always that. thought that was the interesting. Yeah, I thought you were just going to tell us that she discovered Criss Cross, and my mind was going to just blow right there. <laughs> <laughs> It'll make you jump, jump. Yeah. <laughs> That's America's my sweetheart. <laughs> so um, my other my other movie. So this was showing at Alamo Draft House, like one showing a day. And uh, this is the death of Dick Long. Okay. Oh, you yeah, you yeah. sent out a very cryptic uh, uh, message after the fact. Yeah. And so I, I kind of don't want to spoil this movie because I think it needs to be experienced without knowing much about. First of all, um, I'll just point out that you know Alamo does like their thirty minutes of related stuff, and the thing is that they knew the people who made this movie. It was directed by one of the two guys who made um, Swiss Army Man, the movie where Daniel Radcliffe plays a flatulent okay. corpse with magical yeah. powers. Um, so there's one one of the things that happens very early in Death of Dick Long is the characters are like, hey, you want to get weird, and they get like way fucked up. Well, they have a clip where it's like the guy who runs Alamo Draft House and the director of this movie and one of the actors... Uh, are going to get weird. And the way they get weird is they do what's called an extreme tequila shot. And they do this on film, one after each other. An extreme tequila shot, in this case, is you snort a line of salt up your nose, you drink the tequila, and then you squeeze a lime into your eyeball. (laughs) God. All right. So I was going to say the extreme do this. Why? An extreme tequila shot is pouring it into your butt. I just want to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these this guys is are a bad fucking idea, right? Anyway, um, 
All right, The Death of Dick Long is the white trashiest crime drama there ever was. Um, okay, I'm in. I'm in. That's it. Yeah, I'm in. It's it's set in Alabama. Um, the director is from Alabama. He was he says in an interview he was he was upset that like anytime any people set something in his state they get the accents wrong. So these guys get the accents right, and it's. I mean, all of the people in this are as credible as possible. I mean, yeah, it's white trashy, but it's totally believable and it's totally relatable. Like you, you get into these guys' head and, and sort of how they would react to this incredibly fucked up situation they're in. Um, it, it starts out with them like, it's just a bunch of guys who have this shitty, shitty band and all the music, the music in this movie is so on point. It's all this like early 2000s butt rock, like Creed. <laughs> and like the first thing you hear is them trying to play It's Been a While um, in their, in their bad cover band. And like, you know, Down With The Sickness and Nickelback. Like it's, it's that's like the music in this thing. Um, but it, you know, they they have their party, and then these two guys are freaking out, and they gotta dump their buddy Dick Long in front of the emergency room because Dick is dying. And I'm not giving this away anything there because it's the title of the damn movie. But it just gets worse and worse. So they're like, <laughs> you know, they they had dumped the guy at the hospital, and then there was blood on the back of their car, and then this guy takes his daughter to school, and she's got blood all over the back of her jumper, and you're just, it's just making you uncomfortable, and that's just, that's like the beginning. This thing just keeps (laughs) getting worse and worse, and you can't take your eyes off of it, and the thing is, it all totally makes sense, and it's all totally believable, and it's actually inspired by some real events. And I, I can't really say what happens because the experience of going down this horrible, horrible rabbit hole is the experience of watching the movie. It, it's the absolute best movie that's ever been made about the subject of this movie, which I'm not going to spoil. <laughs> You know what? For a non-spoiler recommendation, I think that was good. I'm in. I, I think yeah. that does sound it's it's very it's intriguing. A, yeah, I, I like I like the idea that there's so much going on you can't tell us. I'm, I'm yeah, in. I'm in. I would. I don't want to wreck the experience. So, Death of Dick Long. I mean, it'll almost certainly show up on some streaming thing or another soon that sounds like something that'll be on hulu they always yeah keep i was gonna stuff. say amazon maybe but whatever it is yeah yeah check it I out like that, but it I, is I like it will unsettle you a bit it, and you will <laughs> laugh and you will hate yourself for laughing and you will cringe and you will <laughs> keep watching all right we might be in because this might be the most interesting elevator pitch we've heard yeah. yet <laughs> i don't this think particular program i don't think chris or i would feel bad we're we're sick fucks yeah Eric, you will laugh. I'm pretty sure you will laugh. <laughs> <laughs> He's already laughing. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. That's my fresh shit. Right on. Oh, interesting hey, week, fellas. Interesting as long as week. we just just to close on Creed, I want to say it, it, I, anytime anyone says it's been a while, of course, I have to go. It's been a while, <laughs> but the worst I found out today is when I'm alone in the car and someone on the radio says it's been a while because for the next 
20 minutes in the car, I just start going, it's <laughs> and then it devolves into it devolves into and then I'm a chicken. And it doesn't stop. But that's creed. It's yeah, it's actually that, stained. That is but creed. anyway. <laughs> Same thing. Who cares? I don't know if y'all did your homework, but this this week we're discussing the great Michael Mann film, Eat. Oh. This is going to be fun because I had never watched Heat until really? last night. I How just awesome. watched it last okay, time. Okay, seriously. Your opinion. I want to hear your take on it then. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it was really good. I, I, it's funny because it's a very sort of Michael Mann you know, 80s, 90s style film, which I fucking love. Mm-hmm. And it it came off even more vibrant than I think maybe it did at the time because everything has been so different in terms of cinematography lately. So it really made an impression there. Um, cool characters, cool performances. It's way too fucking long. Two hours and 50 minutes? Seriously? Yeah. Uh, um, I would, I'll contend that issue, though, later. But, yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. My one real criticism of it is this is a movie set in Los Angeles in the early 90s, and there aren't anywhere near as many cars on mm-hmm. the street as there ought to be. Like, yeah. There should have been so much more traffic in heat. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of driving on freeways without slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like the uh, beginning, the the beginning quick- thing that where they, where they, there's a, there's, their first big job in the movie where they take out an armored car and it's done, you know, by ramming cars into each other. And the fact that there are no other cars around when this thing goes down just really took me out of it. But other than that, I had a good time watching this movie. Well, let me give the very quick. Um, Robert De Niro is a, uh, a criminal. He, he, he robs things with his crew. Uh, and Al Pacino is a cop who chases down people who rob things. And De Niro and his crew, they've pulled a job that has drawn the ire of a banker who wants to uh, uh, get them caught or killed. And that helps Pacino try and get De Niro. That may forces De Niro to try and, you know, to contemplate his last score. The plot, you could probably, you know, you could do it in a half hour it plot wise it's not the point uh it's really about sort of the loneliness of all of these characters because they're dedicated to their job this movie is really about the sort of work-life balance and what happens to people who choose work and sometimes that work is crime and sometimes that work is stopping crime but it's like every major character has an every minor character has an arc like all of these characters are wonderfully written, even if they only have like ten, you know eight total minutes of screen time. Well, and all but, of their arcs are my personal life is fucked by this this life I've chosen. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, well, yeah. But if but if you look at uh, the overall career of Michael Mann, that's his thing. Like mm-hmm. all his characters, especially in his crime dramas, are all very much isolated individuals. Uh, they're just sort of going through the motions of the job because that's all they've got effectively and then where the drama comes in is when they start to try to veer out of that and find a different path 
that's when everything goes shit and then somebody winds up dead. That's Michael Mann movies in uh, a very nutshell right there. I always look at Michael Mann characters in films as basically cursed by their expertise. It's like if they weren't so goddamn good at what they do, they wouldn't spend so much time on it. You know, they would they would pay yeah. more attention to their kids, their wife, their whomever. I mean, that that's that's really sort of the height of everything going on here. So many characters who know they should be doing better yeah. instead choose the job and getting their attacking well, their obsession. Well, what I was intrigued by because I actually went back and did uh, some viewing of his other stuff, Michael Mann, just to kind of see what was similar, what was different. So I watched Jimmy Conn in Thief, which is man's first movie, which uh-huh. is basically about a thief. Uh, it was very similar to what's going on in Heat. I watched Manhunter with William Peterson, and that was the the first... Uh, yeah, Michael Mann like, and Thomas Lambs. Harris kind of work yeah. well together. And that was sort of the first Hannibal Lecter on screen kind of thing. And that was about a... a a cop who was very obsessed with that. And so you kind of take those two juxtapositions and he kind of melded them together for what the dynamic is in heat. Uh, and then for shits and giggles, I watched that Miami vice movie, which I had never seen before. And but my the one God, with Jamie Foxx in it. Yeah. And oh, Colin yeah. Farrell. And that's, that's a, a whole drag. lot of nothing. So that's a I, whole that lot of nothing. I get shit for having a ton of fresh <laughs> yeah. shit, but, but when we come to the main topic, Chris has watched like 14 things. Yeah. <laughs> Because well, you know, it's, it's all about uh, yeah. the yeah, it's all about the education, man. Yeah, I don't know. I, no, it just it gives me an excuse to go back and review these things. You didn't really. go back and watch yeah. Crime Story with Dennis Farina, though. I'm ah, that's a that's a tough nut. But I did find <laughs> L.A. Takedown. Are you aware of L.A. Takedown? I'm aware Silence. it exists. Uh, but Basically, the 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 movie Heat is not the first go round that Michael Mann had with this story. He tried to sell it as a TV show in the late 80s and ended up shooting a pilot that didn't get picked up. So they just aired it as a TV movie called L.A. Takedown. And it's basically a like a 90-minute version of Heat. So it's a script that he had been kicking around since the late 70s. I think the the first round of the script was like, I don't know, 180 pages or something stupid. Uh, it was a long script, so he pared it down to get this TV movie. And if you watch the clips on YouTube, uh, he literally did the bank robbery, he did the armored car robbery, he did almost line for line the coffee shop scene between Pacino and De Niro. Uh, and when you see interviews with Mann about it later, he said that he wished every opportunity that he had came with that where he could do a prototype of his movie and figure out what doesn't work so that he could actually improve it for the, the next actual thing that he did that was better. And that's kind of what it is. It's, but it's like, it's literally the same sequences. It's just pared down shitty TV budget. I think they shot it in like 19 days. Uh, so it was really, really shoddy, but you can see the bones of heat in it, and it's a very good comparison to what you get, especially the coffee shop scene, so, because you get the two actors that aren't really good versus two of the biggest actors, and they crush it. So about the coffee so, yeah. shop scene, a couple things. One, that was the first scene that De Niro and Pacino actually share the screen Kinda. in a movie. Kind of. If you Kinda. if you if you look at it, they aren't actually ever framed together. Really? Yeah. 
It's always over De Niro's shoulder at Pacino or over Pacino's shoulder mm. at De Niro. And the that's, only and time that's how they the two it. of them are actually like in the frame at the same time is that like eight seconds when De Niro says, so you want me to buy you a cup of coffee? And De Niro is in his car. <laughs> how you doing? What do you say I buy you a cup of coffee? Yeah, sure. Let's go. Follow me. But this, yeah, this is only the second time they were ever in a film together. The first one being Godfather 2, where they, right. you know, were yeah. in completely different. Let me, let me jump then into, like, the film. Okay, everybody needs to go see this film. It's just amazing. Um, the first job is stealing bonds from an armored truck. And what I love about any good crime film is how much thought went into the heist you know like yeah. um there's there's definite we know what the response time is we have we know what explosives we need to open the truck everything is by the numbers it's very clean it's very methodical uh unfortunately they have one guy on their team uh wayne grow who is a last minute replacement and a psychotic and yeah. mm-hmm. he he makes the job go sideways and they have to kill all the guards incidentally Wayne Grow, uh, his character in uh, L.A. Takedown is played by Xander Berkeley, and Xander who is Berkeley also in Heat is also in Heat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the name is the same. But yeah. anyway, they yeah. So it's just it's 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 well done. There's no dramatic music. There's no I don't know movie making. It's just very authentic. Well, and, and I like the fact that then when they ram the truck that was so it's made in like 94 95 uh so they didn't use cgi it's all practical mm-hmm. effects and they stage it so that the truck actually flips in the whole nine yards yeah uh, it's a very very technically proficient film from start to finish and it's uh, shot entirely on location there's no sets yeah right uh so everything technically about this movie is just phenomenal i mean and it's I think just you'll- to a t if you like playing Grand Theft Auto, you see a lot in this movie that ended up in those games. Yeah, yeah they even cited Heat as a reference. Rockstar did. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Which you'd almost have to. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it came out in like December 95. I think it was like the third biggest movie that week. It was behind, what, Toy Story and Jumanji. So it was sort of the counter-programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it just sort of managed to take on a life of its own. It, it was just, also part of that era of like indie gun fu movies. Like John Woo was starting to influence everyone. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this was before or after Pulp Fiction. I think it was after. It was after. after. But after. it was like there was this sort of romanticism of gunplay in, in films. And this film has a lot of gunfire in it, but none of it is romantic. It is... The, the the scene in the third act when they are are leaving the bank after robbing it and they have a shootout with the LAPD is terrifying. There is it's no ten music. minutes long. Yeah, there's no music. There's no meaningful quips. There's no no speeches. No, there's no no nothing. There's just holy shit. We're all gonna die. And well, and they they, and they have the- like rounds passing through. Uh, the cop cars and like exiting the other side like they would you know it's like yeah. in 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 movies 
people always take cover behind cars. You may as well take cover behind a bush if they have like a high, <laughs> yeah, a high velocity rifle. Well, it's yeah, it's a very tensely made sequence, and it's rightfully mm-hmm. uh, noted for how they managed to pull off the bank heist and, and everything yeah. with that. But I love the fact that he did not dub in any sort of gunfire. Mm-hmm. Or sound effects. That's yeah. all just from whatever they were recording when they shot, and, and you the, can hear it scene mm. because when the re- when you when you hear the report, it's bouncing off of the buildings on that. St- I, I worked actually in a building on that street in downtown Los Angeles. It's it's you know there are skyscrapers right and left. You if you have a loud sound like that, you hear it like from different directions all at once and that's what's yeah. happening with those rounds when they're firing i i was really also impressed with it's one shot val kilmer shoots at a bunch of cops spins around 180 degrees shoots at some more cops he's out and he recycles that weapon in like eight seconds and then starts shooting again but there was no fumbling there was no you know he knows what he's doing yeah, oh, yeah, no, I hear no they doubt. trained for These that guys scene with live ammunition and then shot it with blanks. Yeah. yeah. And they had That's, some, like, British Special Forces guy that did him, like, three months of uh, yeah. weapons training. That's yeah, smart. You can, you can tell there's a lot of, like, respect for the weapon. There's no, like, waving it around, pointing it at people unnecessarily, being dramatic well, actory. No, no, no. This is, we're working with deadly, dangerous things, and we're going to treat it like that. And I, well, I, this I, is I where, love that they got that right. Well, this is where the metho- methodology that man uses is good for his uh, his preparation, because they also made the actors go in and case banks, uh, just <laughs> yeah, as as practice. And so people, you know, weren't aware, etc. They were just like they were actually casing the bank, and they would do they did that several times just to kind of get a feel for it. Uh, and then man himself, I think, spent six months with the LAPD. Like mm-hmm. doing ride-alongs and and helicopter flybys, uh, like Friday and Saturday nights for like six months straight. So I mean, he just he dove in and yeah. uh, and did it so that he could kind of get a feel for both sides of the coin, I guess. But it definitely pays off. You can feel it. Yeah, it's like you can always kind of tell when something is bullshit in a movie, even though you have no frame of reference. You just you yeah. can kind of feel the confidence in it. Uh, yeah, so it, it definitely it definitely works. Another thing about the setting that I just want two things about the setting. First, I want to just reiterate what I said about um, it being such a clean, you know, well shot movie. It's it's before Seven came out, right? And so it's it's still a, of a time where uh, everything doesn't look all gritty and grindhousey. The other thing is it's like. 1995, right? So this is like the last year where you can make a contemporary film where the technology is still conducive to this kind of caper, right? Like it's yeah. payphones and princess phones and pagers and the mm-hmm. internet is a thing, but it's like not a thing everybody has, you yeah. know, stuff like that. It yeah, definitely of its age. The, the, the tech guy has the, you know, how did you get all these schematics on, you know, the, the bank alarms and everything? The information's all out there. It's just you got to know how to get it. He's basically right. describing hacking. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, like uh, it's on Reddit, but th- nobody goes there yet, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think that guy's played by, uh, oh, what's his name, Tom Noonan, I think. He played yeah. the, the foil in Manhunter, the serial yeah. murderer. So man's using a lot of uh, recycled actors. Uh, he's got a he's got a good. crew. He's got a yeah. He's got a yeah. lot of people who repeat. 
My uh, wife but, my wife works call shifts at her hospital and when the pager goes off she's like that's the most terrifying sound in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, can can we talk about the cast? Uh, yes. because I I don't think this movie exists without the cast that man put together for here's, it because here's, they're here's all exceptional. List. Yeah, they, like like everybody of the time who's worth anybody is in this. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, John Voight, Tom Sizemore, Amy Brenneman, Ashley Judd. Uh, you, you get a young Dennis Haysbert in this. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Portman. In 24. As a very a young Natalie Portman's Portman. second role. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't forget. Uh, Hank Azaria. Oh, Danny Trejo. Danny yeah. Trejo is really the hidden gem of this film. We would, <laughs> you know, we would end up having a lot of laughs with him in Machete, but in this, yeah. he is just a scary he, he looking dude. <laughs> well, and don't forget, and his character's also, name is like Trejo, right? And, yeah. And then and uh, like Tone that. Loke. Don't forget Tone Loke is a hidden Yeah, I saw yeah. that. I was like, what? And uh, he's like in it for two seconds. But then Wes Studi was in it, and he was previously in Last of the Mohicans that Michael Mann had done. Yeah. Uh, and then Ted Levine uh, is in it, who, I think, as we all know, was Buffalo Bill in Science of Lambs. Yeah. I think Wes uh, Studi, though, was also in, um, oh, I can't remember the name of that, that, that film about the... Um, Wounded Knee, the the thing with, my heart of uh, Wounded Knee. Yeah, with with Val Kilmer and uh, Sam Shepard. Oh no, that. Yeah, and then he, he also a, played. Uh, oh fuck. Anyway, yeah. But there's like, yeah, there's a lot of sort of cast incest here. A you lot guys of people aren't know talking about William Fitchner yet. Yeah, William Fitchner and uh, his bodyguard by fucking Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. Yeah, that yeah. happens and kills me. <laughs> I'm like, where's his neck? I can't see his yeah. neck. Yeah, that was the one. Th- every time it took me several viewings of this to finally realize that, uh, like, how they double crossed the bank robbery, how Van Sant was responsible for that. I was like, wait, I'm not following. Wait, why is Henry Rollins? What? Huh? It's like they. They don't actually explain the plan. They just let it happen. And you yeah. have to watch it a few times to get what they're doing because they're not going to yeah. explain shit to you. And I really kind of dig that. Yeah. So it's good. And then uh, also the Pacino's wife, played by Diane Venora, who most people would probably, at least like me, would know her from FX as Brian Brown's <laughs> girlfriend. Uh, There's who a gets shot to for you. Yeah, so there's yeah. your uh, your deep cut. But Shakespearean uh, actress from uh, uh, the the eighties, nineties, and and Zeds. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's fun. I, okay, so Robert De Niro was the first person Michael Mann approached with this script, and yeah. he of course said, "Oh, hell's yeah!" And he shows it to Pacino, and Pacino says, "I'm in." But you know, so you've got like of the time two of the let's say the biggest names in acting and one of them at the height of his powers. I mean, this is the last time I think you really see Robert De Niro being the Robert De Niro of legend, but Al Pacino is all over the place. He is, is, it is the most Al Pacino of Al Pacino performances. I mean, well, it's like he took a woman and, and took ecstasy and Zoloft just, well, that's the thing. If you look at his performances leading up to heat, so he had done uh, Dick Tracy 
where he just chews as much scenery as humanly possible. He then goes to scent of a woman where he chews as much scenery as humanly possible. <laughs> I mean, it just on and on. And then he gets to this and he chews so much scenery. Yeah, it's like you watch it. Yeah. It is very disconcerting to me. It's like a, it's a, a dichotomy of acting styles. Cause you've got the very restrained and stoic De Niro and Pacino. Who's just out of his fucking mind. Yeah. Well, he says and in it, an interview, later that that he based that that character is on cocaine the entire movie to which i think he was yeah. really saying i al pacino was on cocaine yeah. the entire time <laughs> probably yeah which which there, really comes to, to clear because when you watch the movie and they get to the scene where they go to the chop shop and pacino just starts going on about that's the that funny ass yeah that ass by the it's time like, what the f- i get to phoenix <laughs> like, what Ooh, are you talking yeah. about because she got a great ass and you got your head all the way up it. Jesus. <laughs> Ferocious, aren't I? When I think of asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me. So? So? No big thing. All I want is her husband and his whole fucking crew. The thing is, if you watch, though, again, he is all over, but again... It makes a certain amount of sense. He is that goofy only around criminals, only yeah. around people he needs to intimidate with how insane he is or isn't. Because yeah. when he's talking to other cops, it's more restrained. When he's talking to De Niro, who he respects ultimately, even though he has to catch him, it is it is it is buttoned up. You know, it's yeah. it's like there is still a logic to his Pacino-ness. But when he yeah. lets go and goes the full Pacino, oh my God, him and Nick <laughs> Cage, him yeah. and Nick Cage should be in a movie called <laughs> Freaking Out. What are you yeah. doing? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But the, but the coffee shop scene is probably the heart of the movie and it's mm. really the marketing crux. It's what they did to get butts in the seats, I think. Because if you look at the trailer, it's a De Niro, Pacino, together for the first time. I mean, they really played it up. Yeah. And it's literally like a 10-minute scene, if that. And that's the only time they're together. And you talk to people that have watched the movie, and they bitch about that. I'm like, no, that makes perfect sense. Because if you put them in any longer than that, they're going to cancel each other out, and then you're not going to have the movie that you've got now. Without that scene, the end where Pacino... uh, uh, kills De Niro at the airport where they, they finally face off one-on-one doesn't have any emotional impact. Then it's just yeah. a cop and a robber. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing, guys. The, that scene is based on true events. So exactly. these characters are based on real people. Neil McCauley is a real criminal, and Pacino is based on Detective Chuck Adamson. And these guys in the mid-'60s were doing this kind of thing, and they actually did meet for coffee, and they actually wow. did meet face to face with guns, at least according to the Wikipedia, which of course is true about everything. Yeah, no, yeah. man yeah. Is, uh, has stated that as well, because uh, he has worked with Dennis Farina, who did Crime Story, and Crime Story was created, if I rem- remember correctly, by the Adamson guy or someone who had knew that story. But Farina used to work under that cop in Chicago before he became yeah, really, an actor. and and I then start and. Yeah, and then portrayed him in Crime Story. So that's like this weird Byzantine connection through all of it. Yeah. I didn't realize Crime mm. Story was supposed to be that guy. Wow. Yeah. That's great. So uh, mm. a lot going on. Yeah. But the so, but yeah, the performances just kill me because it's De Niro just so stoic, so straight all the time. And, and it's so like, scary. Dude, 
Yeah. yeah. And it's Has like, it's like he no qualms about killing somebody. Yeah. If, if, if it's, you know, important to the job or his, yeah. his safety, but. Well, it's like, but it's his big, you know, through line. Never have any thing that you can't walk away from in 30 seconds flat. You know, it's like, that's and his And then deal. he proceeds to give himself something like that, that he almost yeah. can't walk away from. It's like, really, well, dude? that's. That's the dramatic hook. Yeah, Come on, that's just this is narrative. Undoing. It's that, and but, he can't let go of the revenge. But yeah, yeah. but I like, I lo- but I like the structure of the script. I think uh, Ebert was the one who said it's it's one of the most literate crime scripts that he's seen on film. But I like how it starts with Pacino in this sort of uh, perfect life kind of thing, but then you start seeing the threads almost right away, mm-hmm. and then you see. Uh, like De Niro kind of lonely seeing all of his crew with their families. So it's a juxtaposed deal. And then through the course of it, Pacino starts to slide. De Niro starts to build up. And then once you get to the bank robbery and it all turns South, both of their stuff, just everything falls to shit. Like yeah. both of them just lose everything. I'm like, it's so perfect because they're striving for something else, but everything just kind of falls back into place no matter yeah. what. It's and like, it has it's nothing like their to weird do with, It has nothing to do either with, the morality of what they do for a living. It is again, just being too obsessed with the, the life outside of, you know, your personal yeah. life and yeah. ignoring your personal life. And all the people who actually survive this thing lose everything anyway. Yeah. Including yeah. the hero. So it's, and that's, I think man's sort of deal with most of his, at least his crime movies. It basically shows that, uh, yeah, you've, you've made all this money or whatever, but at what cost? I mean, it literally every one of his crime characters from, uh, from James Conn and thief on up, uh, they all lose something so tremendous in the pursuit of this, that it just becomes jarring. That's Cause you see it in way, every single one. It's, it's one of the rules of a Western though, with that when you, you, com- you, you commit an act that crosses the line, you have to pay for yeah. it. You know, in well, in the course of the story, because De Niro has the guard killed in the first five minutes, you know he has to die. I mean, yeah. well, and it's Pacino, funny you bring that up. Pacino, yeah, Pacino doesn't kill anybody out of malice, but he destroys his family, and yeah. for that he has to pay. To everybody, basically, pays for what they do. Well, I think it's the scene with him and uh, Diane Venora when she's talking to him uh, about how all of it sucks that he loves his job more than anything else. And she just tells him that you live among the remains of dead people. Yeah. I mean, that is mm-hmm. the most, uh, like, fuck you kind of a thing to say to anybody. I was like, oh, shit. That is yeah, just, has, that's harsh, man. She has that great, that great line about, you said, uh, you know, you said I would have to share you with the job, but this isn't sharing. I'm getting the leftovers. Yeah. You know? It's like whatever yeah. that job spits out, that's what comes home and I have to deal with. Yeah, so it's just, there's a lot of heart-wrenching sort of extra drama, which is nice because the way man describes it is that uh, he has these action sequences and it's all like boom, 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 push, push, push. And then he reels it back in and then starts to show all of these little mini dramas with all the different characters. Yeah. Uh, and so all you very can really well-rounded s- characters. Too. Yeah. Like, and you, not- and you can see that it's where it would have its roots in some sort of uh, television series because it's sort of you could explore each one of these individually and it would be awesome. But mm-hmm. in the context of a film, yeah, it would totally it be like an eight part Netflix show yeah, these days. Yeah. All right. So but, uh, we're getting closer to the hour mark and I'm betting each of you have at least two or three things that you still want to say. 
Yeah, I have one. I have one favorite part. <laughs> it's it's the part where they're okay. They're planning uh, the job, and the cops are spying on them in the shipyard. And then they go away, yes. and the cops go yeah. out to like, what were they? What were they looking at? What were they planning? And Pacino realizes the whole thing was a scam to get the cops to walk out so that the robbers could now hide and monitor yeah. them. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, we've it's been like when, made. Yeah, when Pacino figures it out, he just like raises his arms and like, hey, how's it going? Good, on, you know, <laughs> good job. You got us. You got us. And De Niro is in one of the sky cranes with the camera yep. taking pictures, and he smiles like, you know, oh, good for this guy. Not only did he figure it out, he. He gets it. You know, it's like there was, yeah. that moment of mutual respect to me was even more fun than the coffee shop scene. Yeah. Which, you know, it, the coffee shop gets you in there, but uh, it's all the extraneous stuff that makes yeah. it worthwhile. Because uh, they're, they're interacting with each other even when they're not on screen. That's yeah. what's so weird. To yeah. me. It's a very good yeah. tightrope that man pulls off. It's sort of like they're obviously two sides of the same coin sort of deal, uh-huh. but he plays it so so straight that there's no winky winky about it like like tarantino would probably do or somebody like that it's just straightforward crime drama and that's when pacino is at his best is when he's deconstructing the crime it's like he is as good at this as de niro except he's not committing them and so he's like okay you got your escape routes there they did this he you know and and the respect is clear from the beginning that this this guy you know this this person who planned this out isn't an idiot yeah so it's it's good. And I like the structure because you've got the car robbery, then you've got the melodrama, and then you've got the bank robbery, and then you've got sort of the melodrama, and then you've got the hotel sequence at the end where De Niro kills Wayne Grow. Uh, yeah. And that's that's a very taut sort of spy thriller almost, you know, because he's yeah. got the fire mm-hmm. alarm pole, he's undercover, he's doing the whole nine yards, but he draws it out so much yeah. and he doesn't push it. And so it makes perfect sense that it takes that long for everything to happen. And it yeah. sort of illustrates De Niro's patience. Yeah. It was so and I don't talk believe about the- De Niro thinks he's getting out of this. I think De Niro knows this is closure. <laughs> this is like, yeah. I yeah. have to yeah. end this. The, the, but the other thing I want to say about that, you know, Chris, you're, the restraint is also on the part of Michael Mann. Like, if this movie were made by someone else today they would push De Niro and Pacino's character into superhuman behavior. Like yeah, De Niro's yeah. infiltration of the hotel would be somewhat over the top incredible. Whereas yeah. with this, it's all completely realistic. It's all plausible. Yeah. It's uh it's so well done. Uh and I don't think Michael Mann has topped it, honestly. I think this is probably the peak of his career. Yeah, I agree. If you look at the stuff that comes out, like The Insider, that's a fairly good movie, and it's not uh, a cop movie, but it plays like a thriller. It's even it's, it's good, about a but it's not. It's it also doesn't require Michael Mann. I mean, yeah. it's it's well written. He was just there well, he shooting it. Yeah, he didn't write that one. Yeah. Uh, and then and Collateral is good, but it's not great. I think it's like early. Funny. collateral is like all of the things we're crediting heat with that he said okay now i'm going to commit each and every one of those sins i'm going to (laughs) do unrealistic shit i'm going to have characters that come from outer space i'm going to have a shooting in a disco where people are running in panic for 10 minutes back and forth seemingly never finding an exit (laughs) yeah so for me it's sort of uh but it's also just for craftsmanship i think heat is where he 
peaks. Because then he starts experimenting with all of the like the handheld digital stuff on Collateral and Ali and Miami and me and me Vice. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Did and he make sort of like the Miami Robert's, Vice movie? Yeah, yeah, he did. Huh? Yeah, interesting. And it's so he had a prototype a for nothing. that. Oh, yeah, uh. <laughs> but not a not a good one. His TV work is not compelling. I'm just gonna say. That. I you uh, know then, I was 14, but Crime Story got me at the time. Yeah, you know. I would but agree I with that. That was a lot of kinds of junk. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was you know. I was actually I remember that coming out and being afraid. I'm like, oh great, a period Miami Vice. <laughs> but then it was good because I hated yeah. Miami Vice. Oh, oh, you know what? The one the Michael Mann film uh I I, I love more than anything and then never seems to get talked about the keep. Yeah, it's such the a keep fucking is weird the movie, weirdest man. movie for yeah. anyone's resume, especially someone who goes on to make crime pictures. Yeah, <laughs> and and well, he was. I guess he made the keep, which is basically Nazis find this old castle uh, and somehow awaken a demon yeah. that slaughters the, them all. The way yeah. Grand Theft Auto pulls from heat, Doom pulls from the yeah, keep. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I think when he was on the. Uh, the tour for the keep, he actually brought up heat uh, and he was shopping it around and no one would take it. And I think he tried to give it to Milius or not Milius, oh. uh, Walter Hill. He tried to give it to oh. Walter Hill cause they're friends. Yeah. who was another big action director from that era. And Walter Hill said no. And so he had to put it away. He went and did Manhunter and then pulled it out uh, after last of the Mohicans. Cause he wanted something new to work on. Yeah. Uh, well, then so, Robert yeah. De Niro is the one who made this movie possible just by saying, I like it. Let's do it. Yeah. Yay! Yay! So, yeah. So as crime dramas go, I would say Heat is rightfully uh, placed yeah. in the top echelon. Up and, right uh, up there with uh, The Killing. And yeah, maybe someday yeah. we'll do a show on the top 10 uh, crime dramas. This is one of them. Yes. It's a movie. You can watch it. You and you might even like it. <laughs> and if you've got suggestions for movies we should do shows about, uh, go to our website. Well, first, rate the podcast, share it with your friends. You know the drill, right? Come on, spread the love. But then it's go to a our podcast. website. You know how this shit works. Yeah. Our website is maghuge.com, M A G H U G E.com. So if you can't figure out how to That's subscribe to a podcast, you can find the old episodes there. That's the same as our Twitter feed, which is maghuge. Yep, and then you can find links to our Facebook and our Instagram and our Gmail and all that crap on the website. Hit us up. That's right. Tell us uh, tell us what you want to hear us talk about, and we'll do it. And I think people should go to iTunes as well and give us five stars and uh, rave reviews. Uh, yeah. Or not, whatever. Do it. <laughs> you know what? Should. Just, just post your... Just Even if you don't want to review the thing because typing is a, a pain, just type out your favorite Pacino quote. Just Stop wasting my fucking time. <laughs> Bad ass. <laughs> and scene. <laughs>